On this episode of Writing Tandem... I was actually inspired by somebody did a Facebook post about local meat producers because there was a beef shortage in the stores. And I was like, well, I would love to buy from local farmers because, you know, you're you know where your food's coming from then. You know how it was processed. You know who the processor was. You know who raised it. And she gave a couple different options. And I was like, wow, that is really cool. I love that you can, you know, you can do that. And then I was like, maybe that's what I should try and focus on, bringing those kinds of things into a location where people don't have to, you know, go look for it. Hi there. This is your host, Vivian, and you're listening to Writing Tandem, a podcast that is all things business, entrepreneurship, and the secrets to operating a successful business while still having a life you love. Whether you're a business owner on the verge of taking that side hustle to the next level or just curious about the world of entrepreneurship, join me as I go behind the scenes of my own business and the businesses of others, unpacking some of the most valuable lessons you can apply today. Let's dive in. Welcome to today's episode of Writing Tandem. I'm super excited to introduce Alicia Hess, who is the owner of the Occasional Collective, which is located in Trainer, Iowa, small town just outside of where I live in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And um, I'm excited to talk with her because I've known a bit about the store, but I'm going to learn so much here too, which I'm, I'm just thrilled about. But the store is really unique. It's dedicated to celebrating local through really fabulous, curated, and sustainably focused and locally sourced goods, which is exciting. And my business partner, Michaela, has been in, and she says it's amazing. The Occasional Collective also provides local producers and artisans and even home-based small business owners with a venue to promote themselves. And I think that's really awesome as well um, through either handmade products or the goods that they um, that they are making and are able to bring to the world. And so that's a, a huge mission of the Occasional Collective. So welcome. I'm excited to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I would just love to know, I haven't actually stepped inside the store yet. I've heard from others. I've been on your website. love following your social media. Like I said, Michaela's been in there. Yes, I got we did to, a photo shoot. Yeah, and I got to edit some of those photos. But when you walk in to the Occasional Collective, what what can you expect to find? Like, what is the store all about? Well, first of all, it's really cozy. It's only 400 square feet. Okay. But I've got some really amazing pieces that I found um, from uh, farmers, like Facebook Marketplace, my favorite place to buy used stuff, you oh, know. Uh, and I have an amazing bolt bin from Bolt Bin from the Atlantic General Store. That was built in place there, and some farmer went when they closed it down and took it out bit by bit and put it back together. And I've got that on a wall that holds sundries, and it is really – it's a mix of old and new. Mm. But more importantly, like you were talking about, it's a mix of all things local. Yeah. So I just – I kind of – I saw the building one day because I work at the zoo, which I will kind of get into a little bit later. I work full-time at Omaha's Henry Dorley Zoo. And I commute from my home in Macedonia Township, Iowa. Uh, and I drove by this little shop. And I, it was a, it was clearly a barber shop. It had one of those old style, you know, like little blue and red and white turny things on the side. And then one winter, I saw a little sign poking out of the, the snow, the huge piles of snow. Uh, and I was like, I wonder what that is. So over my lunch break, I got on my computer and looked up, you know, properties for sale and found that it was for sale. And... 
my mind just started twirling, like, what could this be? I've always, you know, I've always loved doing things. Like, what could I do? So I reached out to some friends and family in, in the community and just said, you know, what do you think I should do? And I got a million different ideas, of course. Somebody wanted it to be a wine bar or this or that. And we were just kind of coming off COVID and realizing, you know, that we weren't able to get things because they had to come from so far away. Right. And when you start looking around, a lot of things that we need and want, I mean, obviously not, you know, things like toilet paper, but <laughs> things, you can find a lot of things here. I was actually inspired by somebody did a Facebook post about local meat producers because there was a beef shortage right. in the stores. And I was like, well, I would love to buy from local farmers because, you know, you're you know where your food's coming from then. You know how it was processed. You know the, who the processor was. You know who raised it. And she gave a couple different options. And I was like, wow, that is really cool. I love that you can, you know, you can do that. And then I was like, maybe that's what I should try and focus on, bringing those kinds of things into a location where people don't have to, you know, go look for it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where the idea stemmed. And then it's just kind of spiraled from there. You know, like, I don't know how beef and greeting cards go together, but in my shop, they strangely do. So that's kind of where the idea came from. And in line with that, you know, I talked about working at the zoo. My mindset from that job being there for 27 years has always put me in a place to try to conserve. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our job there is to conserve and educate and inspire people to be lifelong stewards for um, the natural world. And as employees, we are just as inspired. So sustainability efforts have always been something that I've tried to incorporate into my life and I was thinking, wow, this is going to be a really great opportunity to bring items that can create behavior change, mm. um, which is things that we try to inspire at the zoo. You know, I can talk and talk and talk with a bird on my hand about how we should be better about preserving rainforests and everything. And that's all well and good, but I'm not offering you a behavior change. You know, we do, we throw things in there like, are you using a reusable water bottle? Do you use a reusable coffee cup? Don't use plastic straws, you know? So in my mind, I immediately went to, I can provide those items in my store yes. and help shape those behavior changes. Because when you start, you know, in, in Omaha, in Des Moines, you know, in, in Kansas City, those kinds of uh, movements, and I'm sure even here in Council Bluffs, mm -hmm. those kinds of movements are more prevalent because when you're in the city, you're around that more. When you get into rural areas, it's a little different. Like there isn't as much exposure to that kind of thing. Like I, I will tell you one of my favorite products that I carry and I get so many like interesting like what? <laughs> I, 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 we're not on TV so you can't see my face. But just real intrigue is about like bees wrap. Yeah. Reusable like wax bees wraps that you use in place of single use like plastic wrap My instead of saran wrap. Those. Love them. Love them. Love them. And it's one of my, you know, I knew immediately, well, I'm going to carry those and, you know, reusable silverware, reusable, you know, straws and blah, 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 all that stuff. But it just, I could then see the reaction and I could see the behavior change. And it was kind of like this, this full circle culmination of everything I've been working for at the zoo to get that conservation message out, now I have the ability 
to actually help create that behavior change. And so that's another thing that completely fulfills me when I'm when I'm sitting in the shop and I get to talk to people about stuff. I mean, it's something that I talk about, and it's part of why I love small business or large business, but just owning a business is the impact that you have, and you get to guide the impact. Exactly. And certainly you can have impact within another organization. For your, Like your example, you work in a zoo and you're having impact. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to design the impact to align so closely with something that you're passionate about and then get to see it. It's like creating something and then watching someone use it is just a real thrill. It is. I When I sat down and decided what I want, I mean, here, I'll give you guys a little boost. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I took the very first ever, um, you guys did, I don't even remember what we called it then. It was the Tandem Works. Oh, was it it's the your, social media? It was. It's a social media one, but it was the, the very first one you had to do. first formula we called it then. Yes. Yeah. And that is what helped me create my brand pillars. Really? Yes. I and didn't know that. So my brand pillars, because I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to call them. I mean, like, I know mm-hmm. that I have to have, like, guiding principles. But I love the terminology that you guys use, and I related to that really well. And so my brand pillars are first, community, second, sustainability, mm-hmm. and third is inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I think when we get into rural areas, it's there's just not as much exposure. Sure. And so I really want to try and focus when I get to start doing, you know, getting into it more and get a feel for how to carry these things out, like focusing on diverse makers um, and highlight, like during Black History Month, I'd love to highlight BIPOC makers, you know, and Mm -hmm. during Latino Awareness, AAPI Month, like all of those things, I really want to try and focus and look locally for makers and represent them because I think they're so underrepresented, Mm. especially in rural areas. Especially rural areas. Yeah. So that's something that I'm really going to tried to work on in the future as well. You know, I'm still getting my legs under me. I'm still paddling water right now doing two jobs, but I, I stay focused on those brand pillars all the time. Like there's, you know, we're coming up on the Christmas season, which is something that you wanted to talk about. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, well, how are you preparing for it? What are you going to do? And it's a little more difficult. Like in my mind, I want to be, I want to be, I want to stick to my brand pillars mm-hmm. and I'm going to, and that, that requires some really tough decisions because if I can't find it locally, I'm not going to sell it. If a maker in our region doesn't make it, I'm not going to sell it. So I'm not going to go buy plastic Christmas trees or those little bottle brush trees. I mean, man, are they cute and do I love them? They and are do I cute. really want to do it? Yep. Yeah. But then if you start veering from your brand pillars, then you're straying from what you created the business for, which is kind of what you know what we were talking about, mm-hmm. being able to have that impact. And so those are some of the tough decisions I've had to make internally, like, all right, I do want to, you know, provide items for Christmas because it is like thirty percent of, you know, retail, that's when you when you make it between, you know, now and Christmas. But do I want to put my business model aside to do that? Absolutely not. So It'll be different. And I love that I, I'm, you know, I'm still at the zoo. So I have the ability to go through this learning curve and see, like, will the community accept that? And I think they will because 
you know, when you go shopping for Christmas, you don't always go and say, I'm going to buy a Christmas tree for someone for Christmas. So do I really need that in the store? No, because I have really great things like a lady in Mount Air, Iowa, Anchored by Design, makes these beautiful, beautiful, like reusable facial gift sets that, you know, at an excellent price point that eliminates cotton balls, cotton rounds, you know, mm-hmm. you know all that stuff. And that's a great gift that keeps on giving and giving. And it has nothing to do with actual Christmas or being a Christmas, you know, a Christmas tree or a Christmas print. It's still a great gift. And the store's full of things like that, you know, beautiful leather, handcrafted leather bags, beautiful handcrafted wooden and silver jewelry from people within 100 miles. Like, so, you know, it, it's a good reminder to myself to stay true to those brand pillars and my why. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for saying that too. Like, I really think that the, you know, whether you call them brand pillars, core values, you know, your, your mission, vision, like those can be used somewhat interchangeably. They are so important to hold to. And you brought up an interesting point. I'm really curious about, you know, that a lot of people will say, especially in a space like yours where you, you are so consumer driven as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. like you're supporting these makers. So you're driven by them. But you're also driven by the market, the consumer. And so often I hear, you know, people say, and gosh, I think I've said it too, like the market decides. So if they're demanding bottle brush trees, do you ever fear not having what they're asking for? Do you think it could have an impact or how do you handle that? That's a really good question. And it kind of ties into something that I talk about in part of my business plan is that I hope to be able to inspire new creators, new makers, and new businesses. So instead of, if someone's like, all right, you know, every, I hear every five minutes, why don't you have bottle brush trees, Alicia? Oh, well, because I can't find them and I'm not going to buy them from China because that goes against everything that I stand for. So what I would do then is probably use social media Mm -hmm. and my, um, and my email list and my subscribers and say, hey, does anybody know anybody? that makes bottle brush trees or makes something similar to bottle brush trees so I can provide that needed item in my shop but still stick true to those pillars. Because honestly, somebody always makes something. Like, And if if the person that I'm getting it from sources from outside of the region, I mean, I, I'm not you know, blind to the world. That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if they source it from outside, but I source it from them, then I'm still sticking true to my pillar. I'm still supporting another local small business and I'm still, you know, upholding my brand values. I think that's how I'll tackle Mm -hmm. items like that. I mean, I have 90% of the items in my store are sourced from um, Nebraska, Iowa, and then 5% is regional. And then the rest of it, like some of my sustainable products, like reusable silverware, bamboo items, you know, Mm -hmm. those things I can't find locally. Mm -hmm. So I do have to go outside. But again, I'm still hitting that brand pillar. I'm still hitting that sustainability Mm -hmm. pillar. So if I can still hit one of the pillars, if I can hit multiple pillars, man, that's like jackpot for me. You know, like if I can find a Latina owned business that creates a sustainable item, you know, and she's from the community, whoa, mm-hmm. like that's like dream for me. But even if it just hits one of those things, I still, I st- still feel like I'm, I'm holding true to my values. And something that I'm trying to work in and incorporate on my website is under descriptions, 
Like if it is a local producer, I'm saying where they're from. If it hits any of those other pillars, I say, you know, that it hits a pillar. So again, it, it, and that, I mean, websites work in progress always a thousand percent, but aren't they always? Oh, so much time. Are, it can be so much time and yeah, for sure. Especially when you're like trying to move product. Yeah. And you have to bring new things in and you have to make sure the descriptions are accurate and yeah. you have to get them uploaded into your POS and, you know, make sure there's good photos. Woo! Just lots of things to do. But uh, luckily, this is where this will be a good segue. Yeah. Luckily, I am planning on leaving uh, the zoo at the end of this year, actually very, very beginning of next year. And I am going to focus on the occasional collective full time. That's lovely. And so I will have a little more time to make sure that everything's up to date on the website. And because currently, like everything that I source personally is is listed there. It's really difficult uh, when I when I source from say I'm going to use one of my vendors as a example, Walden Run out of Red Oak, Iowa. They used felled um, wood to create beautiful jewelry. So for me to get that on my website effectively, I have to go through and take pictures of all of that and make sure that it meets their, I mean, because everyone's got their own core values. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that, you know, like I'm not ruining their core values by taking a picture with my smartphone and putting it on my website. So like that's something that's on my schedule of things to do is reach out to each of my vendors and say, you know, I know you have your own website, but for additional exposure, do you mind being on my website? It'll, you know, we'll be at the same terms of consignment. But if you have your own pictures that you'd rather that I use than, you know, trying to take my own, mm -hmm. you know, get those over to me. So again, that that's going to take a lot of logistics and, you know, time to work that in. But that's something that I've got, you know, on my list of things to do yeah. so that eventually I will have everything that I have in the shop on the website. Do you have help at all with any of this? Like when the shop doors are open, are you the one there who's unlocking the door and behind the counter? Are you doing everything or do you have any help at all? I do have one person that helps me. It is one of the vendors. So they come in and do vendor time there. And currently I'm only open every other Friday, Saturday. So I can still have a home life because that's really important. Work-life balance is super important. You know, you and Michaela just put a, a, an article out about that, and I loved mm -hmm. it. You know, you've got to make sure – because if you're not well, you're not going to run your business well. Mm -hmm. If your brain's not functioning right, you're not going to run your business well. Long story short, yes, I'm a solopreneur. A little bit of help from one of my vendors that runs the vintage page. How do you keep yourself, like, in a good space and healthy, especially as I'm thinking about – you're running from home life things. You also have a full-time and demanding job that you're very dedicated to Absolutely. until, you know, until you make this transition, yeah. which is exciting. Plus you're doing this and you're you're not only just there, you're doing all of the website updating, taking pictures of products, keeping track of your SKUs, like all of that. What do you do to keep yourself in a sane, healthy place? During the summer, I garden. Mm. That is my... That is my happy spot. But I will tell you that this year, because this is the first year that I've done both full time, basically, my garden suffered because mm. of t just time. So that is actually one of the reasons that I decided to move on from the zoo, even though you're right. I mean, absolutely. I've been there 27 years. I love each and every one of my employees. Just employee development has been an engagement is just a huge passion of mine. 
And I will miss that tremendously. But I know moving forward, like I'm going to give myself a year. You know, you want to talk about what you need to do as a, as a solopreneur or just entrepreneur. Give yourself grace. Yeah. Oh, goodness. But I have to just look at, you know, there are things that I'm going to have to start hiring out, even though like it might cost me. It might it might put me at a loss. But those are things that I have to do to build the business. And then eventually, hopefully, it will start, you know, running at a profit. Currently, I am running at a profit, but that's because I cover a lot of the expenses from what I do at the zoo. But I'm so I'm working on, you know, combining some things and 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 just working the numbers so I can effectively do it. Obviously, adding more consistent hours will help. But I think the driving force behind it was really work-life balance. And, you know, maybe I'd, if I'd ever considered leaving the zoo before, I was like, no, what would I do? Well, now I, I, I've, I've answered that question. Right. So you saw and, a building. Yeah. And you went, I'll come up with something. Yeah. I love that piece of your story because – some people start with the idea and then go look for the building. You started with a building and then you came up with an idea for it. I love that. It's a little backwards, but it's also trainer has very limited amounts of real estate. So, you know, I thought about it and my mom was like, I don't know, that seems like a not great idea. <laughs> and then I was like, but I'm going to do it. And she's like, okay. And my whole family was just like, oh, all right. And then my friends and then I got everybody excited. And when I, you know, it, all, it maybe only took me three days to come up with a concept. And then I ran it past everyone that I talked to, and they're like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think it is. Um, it's not unique, you know. I mean, other people do it, but is it? it's unique to Southwest Iowa. Mm -hmm. But I think more and more, even, I don't want to say chain stores, but even like larger small businesses are starting to incorporate pop-up opportunities for small businesses to use you know like and I know for a fact in Omaha like there's like larger coffee shops and stuff will allow smaller businesses to come in there and do things and I think I think that's kind of the mindset shift that our culture is or our society is in right now which I love I think that we're going to start seeing well of course I hope we are uh, but I also do honestly believe that we're going to start seeing that shift like, you know, we've been pushing the shift to shop local for a while, but I think that people are starting to really catch on. And I think that it's going to grow. And especially, Trainer is a very small town. And honestly, when I was talking to the city administrator, we talked about what's called the Walmart effect mm -hmm. um, because it's, we're 11 miles from the Manawa exit in Trainer. And so people can go anywhere. And honestly, we just got a Dollar General too. Mm -hmm. So they can go anywhere for what they want. They can go to the Dollar General if they really want that. But they know that they're not going to get the unique handcrafted items at the Dollar General. Well, gosh, and, I mean, and nothing against the Dollar General because when I need milk and I don't want to drive all the way to the city, I go there. <laughs> you know, like it's not – they're not a bad thing. And, you know – when it first came into town, I was a little like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I had to – again, one of my girlfriends had to remind me like nothing because well, that's about, not like, even your competition. <laughs> what about like Amazon? And we talk about Walmart effect. I'm like, where's the Amazon effect? Like, oh, you for can sure. order anything. You can order anything on Amazon. Actually, I just did a big thank you shout out post to uh, WIDA, Western Iowa Development Association, because Christine did a wonderful post and said – no, thank you, Amazon. We're staying local this year, you know, mm -hmm. and and highlighted the occasional collective. And I 
I don't know how we ever really truly compete. You just have to have, well, no, I do know how we compete. It's not that hard. It's customer service. Like if you ask me for something, if someone walks in my store and says, I really, you know, bottle brush example, I really want this. I'm going to source it for you and you're going to know where it came from. And I think that gives people a peace of mind. So knowing that, and I mean, I've had so many, I've got so many regulars that come in for their favorite items, but then they also are like, oh, what about this, this or that? And I'm like, oh, okay, let me see what I can do. And then maybe I find it or maybe I don't. And I say, I can't, but here's something, here's an alternative. So customer service is where we beat out Amazon and Walmart, you know? Do you ever, thinking about that, of like sourcing things, in in the spirit of supporting your vendors, do you ever go back to them? I mean, essentially, you're doing market research and mm-hmm. say, hey, I know you don't make this, but it seems like it could be in your wheelhouse. If you started making it, I have a market for you. I have. Actually, it was the opposite, though. I was saying my leather uh, purse, she does handcrafted leather purses and wallets and all kinds of other little leather, leather items. She dropped something off while she was just over on this side of the state. And I was like, oh, man, we were actually having the exact same conversation about how I, you know, I'm like, I really would love to have like cute little pumpkins in the shop. And I'm like, but you know what? I'm not going to go buy them from a blah, blah, blah vendor. And she was like, I make fabric pumpkins. And I was like, send them over. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all you have to do is have the conversation. And I think exactly what you said, like, even if it's not in their wheelhouse, it could be. Mm-hmm. And any of them, like I, my, the Hey Girls Goat Milk Soap out of Council Bluffs, Allison Wise, you know, I told her, I was like, have you ever considered doing foaming soap? Because a lot of people like prefer that for their bathrooms versus like a bar of soap. Sure. And she was like, you know, I did think about it. And then a month later, I had it. That's awesome. So, you know, it's, again, it's community. Like, you know, I, I wrote in my business plan, that's what rural areas need to survive is just like that that connection and those friendships and that keeping that circle going. And that's what I love about – I grew up born and raised in Omaha and moved to a farm. And I love, love, love the rural communities. I still love Omaha. The only reason I love it more is because it has more restaurants. But <laughs> Well, Council Bluffs just got a Thai restaurant though. Nice. Yes. Nice. I've maybe eaten there three times. Okay. They haven't been open very long. And my husband's convinced that I'm going to single-handedly keep them open. Well, if you tell me where it is, I'm going to I'm going to start helping too because yeah. that's one of my favorite foods. Yeah, it's one down. of my favorite one of my favorite shops is just right over um off of 24th and F in Omaha, so okay. not that far. Like if you just take the Veterans Memorial Bridge straight over, you're yeah. basically right at it. It's called Laos Thai. Yeah. Holy moly. Good stuff. Yeah. This is over by uh by the Bob Carey Bridge. On the Iowa side, down by the riverfront. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you should go check it out for sure. I will. I'm curious. So thinking about some of our listeners who are thinking about going brick and mortar, what do you think they need to to be thinking about? What's um, having done it? A lot of people go online. You know, they take their business online. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Neither right or wrong. But you've taken it brick and mortar and online. But you started brick and mortar first, correct? I did. I at the um, advice of Sue Pitts from, you know, SBDC, mm-hmm. she said, whether or not you're ever going to use it, you need to secure a domain and create a website, even if it's just a landing page, because you don't want to need it in the future and not have it, not have it at your, at your disposal. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I did it. Mm-hmm. And again, like I, 
I didn't do anything with it right away. It was basically just, here's what I'm about, la, 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 secured the domain, and then started adding stuff in. Because I realized last year, before I had the storefront open, and you know, I'd already started getting product in, and I just was keeping in totes in my basement and in the basement of the shop, and I was like, there's no reason I couldn't be selling this. I have a website. And that was kind of what forced me to create the shopping part of the website and really get a little further into the design. But online's hard because then you're competing with the world and Amazon. Interesting. You know, to me, that's that's how I look at it. And you really have to be a niche to, I think, succeed online. And it's very difficult, I think, for our little small town vendors who make things that people in Omaha make or people in Lincoln make. You know, like how do you how do you stand out as that goat's milk soap maker when there's so many of them that also have their own websites? You know, that's why I was hoping, you know, again, am I bringing in millions of visitors a day? No, of course not. But, you know, the, the longer I'm open. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course I am. So you're a destination. Um, yeah. The longer I'm open the better it will get and the more exposure everyone will get. So that's kind of where I went in my in my brain. And also, I mean, property is always a good investment. <laughs> so that's kind of why I started brick and mortar. Sure. But, I mean, that's true is entrepreneurial type of people. They are looking for an asset. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it can go both ways. Some people are looking for a lifestyle business. And so, you know, they plan to work it. Yeah. And then when they're done, they're done. The business is done. But for many of us, we're looking for something that can continue. And there's some assets there, whether it's the business itself or some of the hard assets that we have. And so property is an asset. Absolutely. You know, and that's something that you have to look at in your business planning process. What if you fail? Mm -hmm. Because there's a high probability of failure in small business, unfortunately. And that's something that I had to challenge myself to look at. So luckily, I had the ability to purchase and, uh, you know, and redo a building that during that process, I thought, what if I do fail? I have to make this so it could be many things. So any kind of retailer, like a florist could go in there and have a floral studio. A baker could go in there. I mean, as long as they're a cottage baker and they can bring their baked goods in, a baker could go in there and that could be a bakery. I mean, there's... There's multiple things that it could be used for. If I fail and I'm just like, yeah, I'm done, then I'll just lease the space out to somebody else. Um, because again, real est- retail real estate in trainer is really, really scarce. So that was always my backup. But before I bought the building, I literally, I talked to the city administrator and said, am I going to go south on this? And he said, no way, Missy, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to the uh, then director of WIDA, Erica Bolton Carly, and I said, I'm and she's like, well, she's like, I don't think you're gonna have anything to worry about. She's like, I would, I would go for it, dive in. You know, when I gave her my concept, she's like, just, she's like, be high end. That's all I can tell you. And I was like, all right, well, my that was my goal, but hopefully, I can maintain that. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, that's good. Do to your have research, the, market yes. research. You know, like I, I didn't know that many people in trainer. I do now, but I didn't then. But the ones that I did, I said, how do you think this would do? And they were like, well, it all depends. If you just do this, this, and this, it's not going to do great. I was like, well, yeah, but it's it's going to be way more than just, you know, it's going to be way more than just soap and joy. It's going to have multi- a multifaceted, you know, because again, like I said, it's weird, but the beef thing just stuck in my brain. <laughs> like I was like, I want to have farm fresh beef available to people. And- those, 
validation calls are so, we call them validation calls because we do a lot of them over the phone, but you can do them in person. The validation stage is huge. And I think so many people skip it or they don't do enough of them. And so I love hearing like the diversity and volume of them that you did. Because a lot of times I'll talk with people like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I validated the idea with three of my best friends, yeah, you know, or one person and, and then this other person. And you have to talk to people who are also going to tell you the cold, hard truth and go, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. And maybe it will work, but you want some people to say, yeah, that's not going to work unless you keep a high end. You're like, ah, oh, noted. That's what I was thinking. You've now confirmed it. Yes. And being open to hearing people say, have you thought about this? And even though it's not completely with the model you were thinking, you've got to take those into consideration. Because that is, again, where like the market does kind of decide, right? Of course so, it like, does, yeah. You need to have parking spots or it's not going to happen. I mean, how many times have I seen a coffee shop, for example, fail because they didn't, they're like, no, it'll be charming and it'll be this or that. And it is all of that. And they don't have a drive up window. Yeah. Like it is mission critical for 99% of coffee shops. Right. Because FYI, if you're thinking about starting a coffee shop, just know Starbucks, when they're building new coffee shops, they're building them as drive-through pods now. Like, right. There's a reason for that, my friends. There's yeah. A reason if you drive, I mean, <laughs> obviously on my commute, I drive by the Starbucks at Metro Crossing mm-hmm. all the time. And literally there's two cars. Yeah. How often do you get out? Never. Well, I don't ever go to Starbucks. Because it's not local. True. Ding. But, uh, you know. But it's hard. No digs. No digs on Starbucks. They've got to have that drive up. Like, if you're thinking about a building, I love how you thought, what are the other uses here? P.S. If you can find a building with a drive-thru, it will always be worth money. Okay. Just so you know. I'll keep my eye out. Maybe you need to knock a drive-thru window into yours. Uh, Well, I could. I just have to do a, a roundabout driveway. But this is. This is the universe speaking to you right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're start handing goods goods out the window. Yeah. I don't know. Pick up through the drive-thru. And yeah. so you don't even have to come in the don't store. I'll just hand them to you. Holiday shopping made so easy. Oh, I mean, wouldn't it be though? But I mean, honestly, you just park on the front of like on Highway 92 and I'll run it out to you. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was also something like, par- you, you know, you talk about parking. That's a, that's huge. Like if mm-hmm. I want people to be in there, they have to have a place to park. Mm-hmm. And at the time, 92 literally didn't have parking on it. Uh, so I reached out to the city and I said, is this something that you can facilitate for me? But luckily, I have a really great neighbor across the street. Uh, you might know them. They're called TS Bank. <laughs> yeah. And they have their South Bank parking lot is right next to my building. And it has like straggler employees park in there sometimes. Honestly, not even that many customers park there. But the first thing I did after I purchased the building was walk over and ask them if they would be okay with me utilizing that parking space. And they were like, we would love you to. We're so happy that you're bringing a, a business into the community. So having great neighbors is super helpful. And, you know, you can vet those neighbors even prior to buying a property. Absolutely. Like if you're like, this is mission critical, I think that parking lot would work, they'd probably let me. You're in kind of a unique position in a smaller community. You might know a little more, but if you're in a bigger community, go have the conversation before you buy the property. 100%. So that you're not stuck in a, you know, you're you're landlocked with with no spaces. Right. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I was lucky for sure, but it, it, it worked out well. But I mean, you're right, like, Doing the research, for sure, is, I think, the number one most important thing. And 
if I if I had gotten told by multiple people that what I was going to do was stupid, I would have been like, all right, well, I love baked goods too, so I'll try and find a baker and we'll do baking in there. And literally, I just honestly, I said, regardless, like you said, it's an asset. So even if I just bought the building and finished it, but then my brainchild came to me and it has luckily worked out pretty well. I really just love and I'm fascinated by because it's so different from how my brain operates. I'm the type of person where I'm like, I have to be personally suit, and you are very passionate about what you're doing, but I'm kind of like the one thing. And then I build everything around it. I am just so fascinated by this idea that you're like, I was really open to multiple ideas. It almost wasn't necessarily about what went in the building. Nope. You, you had some ideas. Mm -hmm. You weren't going to do something that was completely outside of, of an interest. But you were really open to that. And I think that's an interesting way to approach a business idea. It, I think it gives you a lot of flexibility, which I love. I think I have to be flexible because – Again, I think, you know, you talked about validation and honestly, like our loved ones, I think because they love us so much are the most critical of us. Mm. And so, you know, you, I was throwing these out and again, like my mom, well, that's an interesting and, you know, my significant Bamboo other. silverware? What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she knows how I love that. But, <laughs> and then my significant other was just like, oh man, I, I don't know. But then when I started, you know, I sent my business plan out to Shauna Silvius at MAPA and Christine Plunkett at NEF, and I had a bunch of people review my business plan before I'd secured any funding from outside sources. And, I mean, you want to talk about validation. Shauna Silvius from MAPA was like, this is the most beautiful business plan I have ever read in my life. And I was like, what? And I thought, like, I was, was like, I'm winging it here. I don't even know what I'm doing. And, I mean, I did my market research on shopping local. And, you know, I, I figured out who my target audience was, knowing what the, you know, income levels and the residency of trainer is. But that doesn't get people through the door. Mm -hmm. You just you just have to risk. Risk is a huge part of entrepreneurship. You know, everyone knows that. And so, fingers crossed, my risk will continue to pay to, to, to play out well. Yeah. But, um, but we learn so much through it, you know, one yeah. way or another, for sure. Like, and it's, um, that's something, again, people ask all the time, should I start a business? Should I not? I'm, I'm doing kind of what you're doing right now. I'm straddling between this business and my, you know, full time. Should I make the leap? And one of my, the big things I say to them is, do you like risk? Like, do you not like, do you enjoy it? Because you have to enjoy it. Like, yes, there's times where it feels really scary, scary and painful, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you were at Rev last year, um, not this past one, but the one that I uh, took second place at. Yeah. And tell, and tell me what Rev is. Rev? I don't, what does Rev stand for? I don't even know. Mm. Does REV stand for We need for someone to Google that. I don't. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> quite sure. But TS but Bank it is, puts it out. Rev is, yes, TS Bank, Advanced Southwest Iowa. Uh, you guys were participants in it this year. Mm -hmm. It's a group of businesses that want to facilitate the growth of small business in Southwest Iowa. It's basically a small pitch competition, a kind of like Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And you go up there and you present your ideas and you have the opportunity to win money, free money. Yay. I mean, I it's not free. Free in the fact that you have to go up. I mean, the only thing that it costs you is, uh, we were talking to Todd earlier, if you have a fear of public speaking, probably not the greatest opportunity for you. But if you don't, 
get out there. I mean, that is a great, it's such a great funding opportunity for small businesses, you know. And And learning opportunity. When we put our pitch together, that was in 2020, 2019, 2020, we did ours. We learned so much and we got connected with people. Yes. And that was huge. And that's why we decided to sponsor it this year because we were like, it's such a great learning opportunity, even if you don't walk away with any money. Oh, I loved it. And I... I will never not go back now as long as they have it. I just and this year was they changed so much it and it was so, so amazing. So I loved good. every bit of it. Loved it. But you know that having those opportunities are huge and I we like spun off and started talking about Rev and I don't remember why I brought it up. Oh, because we were talking about risk. Mm-hmm. And the speaker whose name unfortunately I don't remember, but he talked about growth and that you have to be uncomfortable to grow. Like growth isn't growth never comes from a place of comfortability. Growth always comes from a place of uncomfortability. Like, and that, I mean, that uncomfortability is taking risk. Right. And, you know, whether it be financial, whether it be work-life balance, whether it be, you know, there's all kinds of risks you can take when going into something like that. But, you know, fear of failure is a huge risk. But I mean, you've got to, you've got to overcome those. And I never really looked at myself as like a big risk taker like that. But yeah, had you ever thought about owning your own business or thing before? When when did that even occur I to have, you? I have always been a project or like thing, doing something driven person, regardless, like the whole time I've been at the zoo, I've had multiple small, like little endeavors that I've done on the side, like home-based small business. I had a um, a bakery Okay. Out of my home at one point, which wasn't legit IDAA. I'm sorry, but I was in Nebraska then, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Strike that. Beep, uh, yeah, beep, beep, yeah, beep. Draw through. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, and then for a while, we had these amazing animals at the zoo called African painted dogs, and they are my heart. They're my spirit animal. And I created a business where I refinished furniture because, again, reduce, reuse, recycle. So I would go, you know, go to estate sales, Goodwill, whatever, and use refinished and refinished furniture and it was called painted dog furniture and I gave back proceeds from the sale of the furniture to conservation of the animals in the wild and that was that was kind of my last like actual I'm air quoting for those of you not here (laughs) my actual last venture but then right before I started the occasional collective which was another kind of like facet of why I did it I had to have surgery and I was laying around the house recovering and I wanted a pillow for my couch. So I sourced a Killam pillow from this lovely small, you know, small owned, woman owned business in Turkey. And you could get free shipping if you bought more than like 30. <laughs> I know. You want to talk about risk? How about idiotacy? You know, idi- like I want one pillow. I so want you one pillow. 30. So I bought 30 so I could get free shipping because I was like, I could sell these online. So I started using Facebook Marketplace, and I actually did really, really well selling those Kill and Pillows. And that's kind of what I was in the process of doing when I drove by the little shop, and I was like, and I got home, and I told uh, Evan, I was like, I could sell pillows. I could in sell there. pillows. I could just hear it already. Like, yeah, I'm I gonna open sell, a pillow shop. Sell pillows in there, and he's like, you better come up with something, <laughs> something else. Better. And you're like, okay. That's draft one. Don't worry, honey. I'll be back. Right. Exactly. So, That's but so there funny. are still pillows in there. So my husband, he he sources random things. Okay. So I'll just tell the one story. He works as a meat manager at a high okay. V, and um, and they get these fabulous 
boxes in. And when we were moving, they have handles, they're sturdy, they're like the perfect size, and um, and they, they stack really nice. And they're just like, you can't overpack them. You know when you can like overpack a box when you're mm-hmm. moving, it's too heavy? So they're like perfect. And so, you know, we're moving and he's like, I'll bring these boxes home. Everyone wants these boxes when you're moving. Everyone wants these boxes when you're moving. The market is speaking to you right now, okay. right? Okay. So like... He's he's saying all these things. And then one day he comes home and he goes, do you think I could sell these boxes? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and what yeah. could I sell them? He's selling them for a dollar a piece. And I mean, he's made some, I won't, I'm not even going to say. I know. He's made some decent money on that. And uh, he's reusing them. They're going to waste. They're getting crushed. Exactly. You know, all these things. And he's bringing it home and it's, you know, he's paying down debts with it or has walking around money. And See, that's. Yeah. And some people are idea people like that. Mm. See, I'm like that. Like, I see things and I'm like, what could I do with that? And so, yeah. So Troy is obviously like that, too. Oh, gosh. See so things that he he's brings like, – I never know what he's bringing home now. It's at the point now where his store is um, his uh, – oh, we're trying to – Todd's here. He's Googling oh. things. We were trying to figure out if REV is an acronym for anything. And so Nikki from Advanced Southwest Iowa, thanks, Todd, for texting. Yeah, nice. She's not sure. She hasn't been told yet what that means. So we don't know Maybe yet. it doesn't mean – maybe it's like rev up. Like, you know, like when Could you rev be. up a car, like you're trying to rev up the economy or rev up the Southwest Iowa. I don't know. This should not be a mystery. It shouldn't we be. We need to figure this out. Thanks, Todd, for doing that. Man, no I love uh, that we – this makes me feel like Joe Rogan. Oh. Not everybody enjoys his podcast, but something I, I love. I don't listen to podcasts. Oh, not I, really? I know. Isn't that weird? But I told you when we were at Rev that my significant other is like podcast aficionado. Yeah. So he like was very clear with me that I had to speak loudly enough oh, you're that I could be great. heard. And that our editing, like he was like, I hate it when you can't hear people or somebody sounds yeah. far away and somebody's close. So, Well, I love on, on that particular podcast, Joe has – someone else there and he's googling stuff for him all the time pulling stuff he's like hey hey can you google that and find out for us and i'm like whoa i just had that moment hey thanks todd you've gotten that far you're awesome i love it that's amazing oh gosh (laughs) what were we talking about oh just reusing things and selling stuff and okay so looking back on early uh, early days what are some of the big lessons you've learned or maybe it's something recent like What's something that's been either successful or you would never do again or, you know, you're talking – talk to me like I'm like, hey, Alicia, I'm going to start my own brick and mortar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. It's going to be awesome. Like guide me here. I think we've hit a lot of the points. Like you've got to do your market research, number one. Number two, utilize – the resources that Southwest Iowa has. If you want to start a small business, like I, I'm sure Omaha has it too, but like, I don't, I never like ever tried to take it any farther in Omaha. So I, I didn't know, but I was literally overwhelmed by the resources that are available to people that want to start small business here Mm -hmm. in Southwest Iowa. You've got Advanced Southwest Iowa Corporation. You've got Pottawatomie Community. You know, if you want to do something along the lines of a a nonprofit or anything, Pottawatomie Community Foundation. You've got, I mean, I look at you guys as a resource, Tandem Works, because I I get all of my information about social media and what I should be doing that way through you guys. Nebraska Enterprise Fund, you know, they reached mm-hmm. out into Southwest Iowa and they do they do loans for people that are atypical, like me. Yeah, not bankable yet. 
Right. right. Exactly. So they, you know, they'll take on a greater amount of risk mm-hmm. um, to help support those small businesses. And, you know, again, like that was part of my validation process when I, when NEF was like, yep, we're going to give you money. We're the second business in Iowa that we're going to work with, but we're super excited. I didn't know you were the second. There was a, yeah, the, um, awesome. the market. I can't remember the name. Ramsey's Market, maybe. Okay. The both of us got our loans with, within a week of each other, but we were the first and second awesome. businesses in Southwest Iowa that number were number two in the door. Woohoo! I mean, I could be number one. I don't know. And but. there's so many. I like that you're bringing this up because there's resources like that in every community across yeah. the nation, even if you're not in Iowa. Right. There's there are organizations just like these, and it's just a matter of reaching out yeah. and asking just questions. Look. And, and the sometimes thing is, you don't know what you're asking. You're just like, right. I just know I need help. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, you know, the first person that actually reached out to me was through a family friend. And she said, oh, well, you need to talk to Erica Bolton Carley from WIDA because she's going to help you. And she put me in touch with Shalimar Mazetis from um, Advanced Southwest Iowa, who then put me in touch with Nikki. And then, you know, I got Christine with NEF. I mean, just I'm not going to keep name dropping, but there was just it was just this domino effect of people that were lining up to help me. They want to help. And I was like, what is happening? This is the most amazing thing. And that's where that risk pays off. That's where you get that that ultimate feeling of validation and joy when you run things by these guys. And they're like, that's, that's awesome. You know, as Sue with Pitts with Advance or with um, SBDC, there's just so many resources. And I was just blown away by the level of support. And, but I think that also they're going to be, they're going to level with you. Like you said, you know, like they're going to be part of that really good vetting process and say, ooh, Sue Pitts was great at that. She mm-hmm. was like, you better double check this, 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 and this, and you better, you know, that's great market research, but that's, you know, 45 miles away and da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And just, you know, you she laid You need those it. people. You do. And she, it was wonderful. And if everybody's telling you your idea is brilliant, it's probably smells like you know what. Yeah. yeah like yeah, you yeah. need a couple people to push back, even if it is brilliant. If you haven't found the people to push back on it yet, you need to keep asking. Agreed. Until somebody pushes back because otherwise, you know, if you go into it thinking it's just going to be, everyone told me it was going to work and it's going to be amazing. And I'm like, sorry, sweetie. That's just, it's not true. There will be problems. So you start addressing those early on. There's always problems, you know, and- Luckily, most of the problems I faced are self-induced, so <laughs> um, uh, which is fine. But because it, it's just learning curve, like I said, I've been I've managed people and animals for upwards of twenty, you know, twenty-five plus years. So to sh- to to focus and shift my mindset on on running a business, I had to learn a lot. I had to do a lot of late night, just you know, reading blogs and reading all kinds of articles. But again using the resources that Southwest Iowa has and helping me, but something that I need to continue to do. I need to do continuing education mm-hmm. on, you know, again, again, back to the, the resources, SBDC, NEF, and um, they do webinars all the time on how to be better. And I've just signed up for one about websites that they're offering very soon. And I can't wait to take it because I, I know what SEO optimization means, but do I know how to do it? Heck no, I don't. But I know it's important. <laughs> so. And, you know, figuring that – you said you were talking earlier about knowing your numbers and your mm-hmm. business plan. Like that needs to be a line item in there is investing in something. Like there's lots of great free resources and like wring those resources dry. Yep. If you have – if you're not using the free resources, you know, like, okay, then you need to get out there and ask the questions. But also 
I think it's important to have that item in your budget of workshops or training, and it can start at 50 bucks. Yep. Or it could be $500 or $5,000, but there's masterminds, there's workshops, and the ones you pay for usually have a lot of gold in them. And I'm not knocking, I love the free resources and we love to make some resources free as well, but you've got to invest in yourself as well. Oh, 100%. And I mean, like I said, a lot of what I learned and how I built my business plan was from the paid resource that Tandem Works offered. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, and what I love about it is that I still have access to it for that amazingly low fee that you guys have, you know, Break charged. to commercial now. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> but I still, I go back and read and, and look at those resources sometimes. Like, you know, I know like the second time I took it, because the first time I was just build, you know, build out on the building and I wasn't like paying attention like I needed to. So then I really started delving in a little bit more on the second one. And social media is still the biggest challenge I face just because of the the time commitment. Sure. But again, that's something, again, I know that that's my weakness. I know that's something I need to focus on when I start doing this full time. And, you know, I'm excited about it. And I learned so much of what I need to do. You know, I need to tell stories. I don't need to say, come to my shop and buy this. <laughs> we want to do that though, right? We're like, you know, yeah. I have built it's it. It's easier. Now but, come and see. Right. It's easier. But like the story behind everything. And in the beginning, I really did do that. And I've just kind of, I've I've slid down and I stopped doing that. And it's more like, here's That's when I'm open. Hope you come see me. But like, I also try and always focus on a vendor or something new that I'm bringing in. But that's not really a story. And I definitely see much better numbers in engagement when there's something behind it. And I know I need to do better at that. So again, that's on my list of to-dos for when I'm full-time. What's the fun part too? Like when we, the whole reason, and it's right in your, like your mission pillars really, Mm -hmm. is you want to help your vendors tell their stories. It says it right on the front page of your website about, you know, you, you, it's about the stories and so sometimes I think we overcomplicate it and kind of like we were saying about asking experts for advice. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite questions to ask is who else do I need to know? And that helps that domino. But flip it back, you know, when you're thinking about your social media. And I think a lot of times, so I hear it all the time, I got to put it on my to-do list and it's on my radar and all these things. And I'm like, those all, to me, I'm like, sounds like a bummer, right? Indeed, like, they do. <laughs> on the list. And you're yeah. like, oh, no, that's the worst place for it to be. But if you were able to flip it back and say, have them tell your stories. Yeah. I uh, Would they tell the stories for you? Like, do, do you ever go out and be like, hey, I want to try. Your story. Well, I try to pull from their websites, but I've never really sat down and had an interview with anybody. But I, that might be something fun to do, right? And you just be getting to know the vendor, and they yeah. get to know you. So yeah, you're yeah. like, like you're doubling stuff up. You're building relationships, yeah. strong relationships with your vendors. That's a great way to look at it. And honestly, though, what I was going to say before my phone went off, uh, sorry about that. Uh, what I was going to say <laughs> is like, but some people thrive on lists, and I am one of those people. Mm, like, for sure, I Same. I thrive on lists. I thri- I know you do too. So if I it's know- on the good list then I guess it's fine. Yes, it is. It's not on the bad list. Okay. Like, I thrive on writing things down and and being able to cross them off like that. Got that done. I that you know that's I reached a goal today. Like you've got to have those small wins because some days the small wins are all you get. So what are you excited about as we're kind of wrapping up here? I mean, I don't really want to wrap up. Will you come talk again? Sure. <laughs> when I'm Let's have another conversation again when you're full time. Yeah. But what I are you excited? Hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you excited about for? The days ahead, 
or headed into holiday season. You said holiday season is one of the big, mm-hmm. the big times for you. What are you looking forward to? What's on the horizon? And and how can people support you, whether they're local because or not? Let's let's say they're in Canada. How can they support oh, your endeavors? Well, not yet. You can't, Canada. Sorry. Love you though. I have lots oh, of Oh, not yet there. Okay, well, let's well, go with like, California. Shipping, you know, yeah. well, anything though, because shipping is it goes against my my sustainability brand pillar. Carbon footprint is one of the main reasons I source everything local. Mm. So I am looking into shipping. That requires a whole nother facet for the website because I have to like the minute you put something in your cart, I have to know how much it weighs so it can automatically calculate what I have right. to charge you for shipping. So that's again, that's a whole nother facet that I have to delve into. But it's again on the list, not a bad list. So we could have I could just tell my grandmother, though, in Nevada mm-hmm. that I want something off of your site. Correct. And then and then she could maybe buy it and I could go pick it up. You could do that. That could work. But also I'm. I'm looking to ways to carbon offset. Okay. Because there are that 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 is such a thing. Carbon yeah. offset shipping, you know, zero waste. Like I'm looking into that. I've already ordered um compostable like mailers and I've already ordered uh recyclable uh shipping stuff. So Love it. I'm I'm on the precipice. You're on the it. way. It's just figuring out how to integrate it into the POS and you know, calculate shipping so you don't get overcharged or undercharged. You know, that's the hardest part of it in my mind, but, you know, logistics are always the hardest part. But it's So if somebody out there has some advice for you or they've done this before. Oh, for sure. I'm, I, we're going to put your contact information. They can reach yeah, yeah. out. Yeah. Somebody's done this. Oh, a hundred thousand people have done it. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And honestly, the, the point of sale makes it kind of easy. I just haven't invested enough time in that. You know, mm-hmm. when you leave a job that you've been at for 25 years that has provided you all the resources that you need, like your health insurance and, you know, leaving that is really, that's a really scary risk. But I've just decided I'm willing to take that, you know, like I, all the validation I got throughout the process. And since I've been open, I know I can do it. Like I'm just telling myself it'll work itself out, you know, and if it doesn't, Mistakes are always learning opportunities. So you learn something new every time you you make a mistake, you know. So you just got to – you got to push forward. And that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about going full-time, um, having consistent hours, building that better relationship, building the community up a little bit more, and then just being able to reach out. And, like, I truly wanted the prod- product in the shop to rotate seasonally, like – and, mm. like – but I've fallen in love with everybody, like all of the people that I work with. I just love them all. And they're so amazing. So it's difficult. But that's something that I do. I kind of want to do because I want to offer more opportunity to more people. And but I don't want to say, oh, well, I loved your stuff, but bye. You know, so I have to kind of try to find a way to make it so that's more understood on the front end when I right. start working with people like, sure. hey, this will be a six month, you know, and I worked out contracts in the beginning and it was like, oh, here's 90 days. And if we don't like 90 days, we can, you know, we can add more or we can do less or because what if you don't sell a lot in the shop and you don't like it, you know, because there has to be, it has to be beneficial to both parties. Uh, Otherwise, why would anybody else want to do it? And most of my vendors have stayed. Um, I've only had one that was like, yeah, I'm all right. I think I'm going to pull out. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm sad to see you go, but you have to do what's right for you. So awesome. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited yeah. for you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. What a perfect time to have a conversation as you're like making the transition yeah. 
that so it many is. people ask about. So yeah. I love it. Thanks for sharing so much of your story today. Oh, no problem. Thanks awesome. for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Writing Tandem is recorded on location at the studios on South 4th at Council Bluffs, Iowa, in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions. 